So sometimes you write messages and you prepare to, to preach. Sometimes you need it. Last night I finished a great day with family. At five o'clock. It was like a wall of anxiety and fear just attacks me. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm hit with this moment of not understanding what's going on and why I feel the way I do and I'm, I'm hurt and I'm, and I know that I'm just, I'm, I'm getting ravaged. I wake up this morning I want to be excited. I want to be pumped. And all I can think about is how I just feel messed up inside. Fearful, afraid to do the thing I love. And I remember that I'm preaching a sermon about a man named Joseph who had to look circumstances and troubles and fear and worry right in the face and believe a promise. And so it's not lost on me that everything about today comes up and I go, God, I just, I don't want to do it. I want to, I want to run. I want to do something else. And then all of a sudden God goes, Hey, are you going to believe your circumstances or the promise? Because the promise is that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so, beloved, I don't, I don't stand up here and be a blubbering mess to try to compete with Jeff's monologue last week. When he said that last week, he started, I went, what is he doing? He's ruined my, I can't keep up. <laughs> but I share that with you because it's just, that's what's going on. That's the reality that like, I, I'm a pastor. I'm not like, I wasn't grown on some secret tree in the back 40. It's like, <laughs> I'm a real person just like you. And, and so we have to realize that it's like, this is a, this thing, this this, this walk, this life, this, this spiritual atmosphere that's around us, it doesn't just play out on Sundays. Sometimes it shows up on Saturday night and tells the preacher, you're not good enough, you can't cut it, don't even try. And so the truth is, is we've got to learn to go, hey, this is really real. And this is not just for Sunday. 
but it's for Saturdays as well. So for those of you who are visiting and aren't completely terrified, (laughs) we've been in a series, or we started a series last week called Angles of the Advent, and I've been terrified ever since Jeff said it that I was going to say Angels of the Advent. (laughs) But it is Angles, and the idea behind this series is that we are going to look and and we're going to explore different perspectives of this Christmas season. As we approach the the incarnation of Jesus, the birth of the king, we want to look at at, at real stories from the scripture about how did this experience play out through the point of view of all the different people involved. You know, I think it's so easy to just assume that we're going to kind of look at it the way we've always seen it. We're going to kind of kind of go through and preach all the normal messages. And this year, I just went, man, what if we took kind of different points of view and looked through their lens of how did they experience it? Because I think what we'll find is that we are right in the middle of it. That that one of these stories we're going to connect to and go, hey, I might have some of that happening in the midst of this season. That, That this point of view shows me something about how I can live and how I can experience all Jesus has for me in this month. And so the next few weeks, we're looking at different people and how they experience the coming king. And this week, we get to explore the beloved Joseph. And it's my, it's my belief that we can find a picture of how we're supposed to walk, about how we're supposed to experience not just the, the magic of the season, the beauty of the lights, but the tension of the moment. Because you know as well as I do, as much as we could muster up and try to read it in a certain way, the story of Joseph is a radical one. No one, Mary's next week, but Besides Mary, nobody had a weirder experience around the advent than Joseph. And yet, he was faithful, and yet he he, he trusted the promise, and yet he beheld the king. And so I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 25. We're going to read the story, and it goes like this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with a child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph said to uh, Joseph, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public uh, example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bring forth the Son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord and the prophet, through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took, a, uh, took him his wife and did not know her until she had brought for, forth her firstborn son, and he called him Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. 
And we desperately need you this morning to come and interpret your word, to come and apply your word, to come and and use a, 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 a voice to speak your truth. So God, help us to hear what you're having, what you're saying, and then to not just be hearers of it, but to go therefore and be doers of it. Lord, we honor you, we welcome you, and we invite you to have your way in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's paint this picture clearly. let's, Let's not try to put the the, the Sunday school, you know, text over this, you know, I'm not, this isn't felt board time. Like, let's think about this. We know from supporting text that Mary had been gone to visit her sister Elizabeth, and we know that Joseph wasn't with her then, and she returns, and she's pregnant. And she shows up to, 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 to Joseph, who she's been betrothed to. And again, this is kind of, this is old times. Joseph is a little older. Mary's younger. And, and she's betrothed to Joseph. She's had this experience. And we're going to get into that next week. But, but, but all of a sudden, she shows up and she's with child. Now, this is not, you know, some, <laughs> this isn't 2021, this is a very different culture. And so she shows up to a, a man and, and it says, hey, I'm pregnant. And all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't have the context of the New Testament to, to clarify this. There is no experience prior to this where God has, has, has given a child in a virgin. And so there's only one way to have a baby up until this point. And so Joseph has to, has to right then in that moment grapple with a major complexity. And, and he, again, hasn't yet heard the promise. He hasn't heard God say, hey, it's okay. He's simply having to, to hear this information and interpret it. He's having to, to understand what's been going on. He's having to let the picture unfold and, and everything about the data Everything about the science, everything about logic says that she's lying. Everything about this moment pushes him to, 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 to take all the rights he has and treat her poorly and, 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 and terribly. He, he, he has every right to just completely put her on blast. And yet, because he's a just man, in the midst of feeling distraught, in the midst of feeling confused, this happens so quick and it's so easy, but there is an emotional roller coaster at fever pitch. He's a godly man, he's lived right. He found this young woman. He wants to spend his life with her. And all of a sudden, she shows up pregnant. And she has the audacity to tell him, God did this. I mean, you talk about a Jesus juke. It's like, well, if that's the case, what am I supposed to do? And Joseph teaches our first message 
completely wrecked, completely in a whirlwind of pain. He keeps his senses about him, his center and himself, and he doesn't let pain change who he is. And my question to you, beloved, is when pain is at the door, can you keep your wits about you in such a way as to not lose who you are? You see, Joseph is teaching us that in a moment of, of, of complete emotional override, roller coaster dipping off the side of a cliff, don't lose who you are. And if you don't know who you are before that moment, I promise you'll lose it. And so it's, a, it's an imperative moment of learning where we have to say, hey, in a season like this, I need to understand that, that hard times are going to come, that, that resistance is going to come, that pain is going to come, that at 5 p.m. on Saturday before I preach, it's going to come, but I can't lose who I am. I've got to stand in the, in, the, in, the, in the resistance of it and go, hey, where are you, God? I'm not going to lose myself and, and start freaking out and doing things I, I, I know isn't right, and I'm not going to start compounding damage on top of damage. I'm going to hold my center. And so, beloved, as we start to look at Joseph, we learn a lesson that he teaches us how to live abundantly right in the midst of uncertainty. And then his story continues, and we draw attention to this kind of pivotal, crazy learning, like this is so applicational, write this down. How do you deal with moments like of crisis, moments of confusion, moments of pain? Maybe back up and listen to this crazy thought, put it up on the screen. But while he thought about these things... Beloved Christians need to learn how to stop talking and start thinking. We need to learn how to stop talking and start thinking. Beloved, it is, it is so bad and nonsense to, to, to react out of vitriolic anger and emotion. It's not God's way and it's never been his plan. Keep your wits about you and use the brain in between your ears. Process, think about, slow down a bit. Your first response in a moment of terror should be prayer, not typing. Somebody clap about it. We need to keep that sense about us like Joseph had to go, hey, I am who God said I am. And his promises are true. And again, he hadn't been promised about this child yet. He just knew in his senses, in his gut, when he stopped long enough to think, I don't know what's going on here. And he, you, you hear what he's saying. He was going to put her, he said, hey, I want to put her away quietly. It's not like he's going, I believe you. That's the crazy thing about Joseph's story. Until God shows up and speaks, he, he wasn't believing that. He said, hey, I'll put her away quietly. And I think sometimes we forget, like Joseph had, he went all the way through the process. He said, hey, I can't do this. I don't believe it. But something in him was saying, 
Don't put her on blast. Don't, don't put her out, out, on, the, out on Facebook. Don't, don't get involved in that. Put her away quietly. Why? Because he was just. He was sound. He was holy. He was right. That means there was nothing that was, that was confusing him. God was speaking to him. And in the midst of that, in the midst of him thinking about these things, the word of God showed up. And so as he thinks about these things, as he processes these things, as he, as he backs off the moment enough, God starts to speak. Which leads us to this idea of the promises of God. And I started exploring. I just threw it in Google. I said, how many promises are in the Bible? 7,000. You know, you hear those clever things like there's one for every day. It's like, nine, I mean, I don't even know how many years. It, how many years was it, Jeff? We figured it out. 19 years. But how many are from God to his people? 3,000. 3,000 promises from God to you. There are two times as many promises from God to God's people in the scriptures as there are minutes in this very day. And yet we walk around wondering, what hath God said? What should I do here? How do I interpret this? What does this mean? We walk around like we're orphans. We walk around like we're all alone. We walk around like he's not speaking. And yet Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, God, who at various times and various ways spoke to, to in the past by the fathers and the prophets and, in, and has in the last days spoken to us by his Son. In the beginning was the Word. And we wonder... Maybe I did meet my Bible here today. We wonder, how are we going to hear God's voice? How am I going to look to God's promise over my circumstance? Well, you got to get into the book. You need to understand what the promises are so that when something comes against you, so that when resistance comes, so that when pain comes, so that when crisis arises, you know how to have your senses about you. Because if we are, are, are committed to be God's faithful, if we're the, the church, if we're the, 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 the hands and feet of the Lord Jesus here on earth, then we better know the promises. We better know what he says. We better study those 3,000 promises and, 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 and let them get so ingrained in us that when the wall hits you, you know how to stand. Because there is a, a need in us to become more like Joseph, to, to back up enough to listen for his voice and then prepare to hear. Because what happens when Joseph steps back and thinks about it? The angel of the Lord comes to him and says, this is legit. This woman isn't lying. And you know in that moment he's having to go, okay. <laughs> Thought I knew how this all worked, but not even going to ask. 
And the reality is, is Joseph has a moment where he hears the promise of God. This is who she says he is. This is me. You're going to name him Jesus. You're going to raise him. You're going to be there for him. Don't put her away. And he trusts the promise over the circumstance. And beloved, it's imperative that we get a hold of what are these promises to us. I am not suggesting that God is telling you that you're going to have a son and his name is going to be Jesus. That's, that was for Joseph and Mary. But what are the promises that are for you? What are the promises that are going to help you get through a moment of pain and crisis? What are the moments, what are the, what are the promises that are going to, that are going to stop the whirlwind and bring peace. Well, I told you there's 3,000 of them and I feel like a 3,000 point sermon is a bit audacious. <laughs> but how about 10? <laughs> Some of you are like, no. <laughs> well, I got the mic. <laughs> Don't you touch it, Austin. <laughs> Ten promises of God. We won't be here all day, but, but I want you to think about these. I want you to pray about these. I want you to get these in your soul. Because, beloved, I know Christmas is awesome. But I'm telling you, crazy things happen. Hard times are coming. I don't know if it'll be this week, next week, next month, or next year. This isn't the, you know, the, the, the most joyful Christian message isn't to go, hard times are coming. The truth is, in the midst of hard times, there are promises that are guaranteed to get you through. But we got to know them. We got to believe them. We got to eat them in such a way that they are a part of who we are. So when the resistance comes, when the shock comes, when the pain comes, we're prepared and we're ready. Promise number one is this, Ephesians 3, 14 and 16. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the, the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might through the spirit of the inner man. God promises to strengthen you. That there are going to be times in life, there's going to be times in this season that you feel weak, that you feel inadequate. Yeah. If it happens to me, it's going to happen to you. And I'm telling you that God will strengthen you. Like Nehemiah said, God strengthened my hand. He's faithful. He'll do it. I promise, but better yet, he promised and so we can rest assured that in a moment of weakness, he will strengthen us. What's the second one? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 30, it says, Come to me, all you who labor or are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God's promise to you in this season is that he will give you rest. And some of you are going, no way, no how. I'm busy. I got a lot going on. There's so much stuff on the couch. I'm not talking about he's going to give you, give you, you know, a vacation in, in Honolulu. I wish that was what it said. If anybody has a timeshare, call me. 
But I'm saying he's going to give you divine, soul-level, healing rest. It might not be on your calendar. That's your responsibility. I'm saying he'll give it to you in the private places, in the quiet places, in the secret spaces where you carve out time for him. When you build life around community and faithful, godly men and women, he's going to give you rest in the middle of that. It might not make sense. I used to talk about this with small groups. It it, it doesn't make sense that I need to add something on my calendar in order to experience God's... Like, I got enough on my calendar. But for some reason, in some supernatural way, when I gather with the saints of God and we put the Word of God on display, all of a sudden I walk away invigorated and hopeful. Why? Because in the presence of God, I find rest. And so he promises... To give us rest. What's another promise? Philippians 4.19. And my God shall supply all your need according to the riches of his glory by Jesus Christ. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. God promises to take care of your needs. Walked in last night to a to a watch store. And I walked over to the cabinet. And I went, man, that is cool. I went, that's, that's so cool. I went, Can I try that on this guy? I should have known better. He put gloves on, and I went, I'm out of my league. <laughs> I tried this watch. I'm like, man, that is so pretty. And the, you know, he, he said, what kind of watch is that? And I told him, he goes, never heard of it. I went, Okay. <laughs> I try this watch on, I'm wearing it, I'm like, babe, you think it looks good? She's like, I don't care, you know? <sighs> no, she's like, you're so handsome. <laughs> I finally get this guy to tell me, I'm like, how much is the watch? And he's like, not telling me, and I know that's a bad sign. And finally he goes, you know, it's, it's $9,500, and I'm like, get it off of me! <laughs> that's not what I mean by God will supply your needs. But I'm saying God has supplied everything we need. We have given our life to grow into the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We've given our life to ministry. We have given our life to to my wife being a stay-at-home mom. We have lived in the red longer than the black. And yet God has provided everything we need and more. And so I'm not telling you this as some like, you know, well, hey, you know, finally ask for, ask for Christmas something you shouldn't. It's like, no, this isn't about gifts for Christmas. This is about the fact that everything you need, no matter where you are or what you're going through, God is aware of it and he will meet it. He will show up in abundance for it. And he's not this, this withholding God, but he's also not concerned about fancy watches. And so somewhere in there, he, he, he shows up and he, he starts meeting our real needs, not least of which is the hope of his son. He provided the greatest gift we could ever have through sending Jesus. And so if he's willing to do that, how much more? Number four, Matthew 7, 7, and ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, 
and it will be open to you. Number four is God promises to answer your prayers. He, he promises to, to, to engage with you. He, he, there's a promise that, that when you feel like the world has gone silent and opposed you, that your Father in heaven won't turn an ear away from you. I'm not saying he'll, he'll always give you everything you ask. You know, God, I really saw this watch tonight, and it was so good, and I need it tomorrow. You said you'll provide, and, and you'll, you'll answer my prayers. That's, not, that's a genie in a bottle. I'm saying he's there to listen. When my kids wake up in the morning and they go, Dad, oh, and they know how to get me. If, I, if they get excited about something, I, like, match their enthusiasm. I'm like, Dad, I'm like, Yeah. been craving something. They know I'm a food guy. I'm like, yeah? Indian food? They're like, no. Ice cream for breakfast. I got a thumbs up over there. And in my enthusiasm, I'll often answer, yeah. And then Amanda's like, hey. I'm like, no, no. That's terrible. Why? Is it because I don't love them? I don't want to take care of them? I don't want to meet their needs? I don't want to answer their, their requests? No, it's because ice cream for breakfast too often is a bad thing. <laughs> Every now and then. But the truth is, is we need to be aware of the fact that God's not up in heaven rejecting our prayers because he just likes to say no. It's because he loves you. He cares for you. He's given his life for you. And he wants the best for you. But his promise is that he will not stop listening or speaking. You never have to worry about God just all of a sudden going dark. You never have to worry about God just, just going silent. If his silence, if he's, if he's silent, that means something. He's speaking through it. And so we've got to go, hey, his promise is that no matter what, that I'm going to be able to hear him and that he hears me. Number five, Romans 8, 28. And we know that all, that, that, that all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. God's promise is to work everything out for good. And so sometimes we're looking at a huge mountain in front of us. We're looking at something that seems impossible. We're looking at something we can't comprehend. We're looking at a situation like Joseph. Then we're going, how is this possibly going to work out? And yet the promise is, I'm not saying God caused it all to be that way. I'm not saying God intended for, for, for life to unfold the way it has for each and every one of you. Some of you guys have, have, been, have been disrupted. Your life has just come upon you. It says in this life there will be troubles, there will be tribulations. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. That word tribulation is this kind of oppressive, kind of, kind of the rocks in a, in a cavern kind of pushing up against you, the friction. It, it's not something that you did. It's just the circumstances of life have become that way. But God's promise is that he's overcome it and that he will work it out for good. It's not going to just be lost. It's not just over. The story's not done. 
until God makes it good. And so some of us need to look at the, the negative things in our life. We need to look at the, 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 the hurt things in our life, the wounds in our life, and go, I don't know how it's possible, but his promise is that he's going to work it out, and it's going to become good. Number six, Joshua 1, 5, and 8, Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers and give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all that the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. Beloved, there is a promise. We could look at several others where God promises that he's going to be with us. That's the great story of Christmas. Emmanuel, God with us, that, that we're not down here alone working it out, that we're not going to show up to heaven someday and God go, hey, I, I don't know, how's it, how was it down there? He's right here with you. So when you feel alone and you feel abandoned and you feel confused and you feel concerned and you feel like I just can't believe where I am and, I'm, and nobody gets it, God is not afar off. He is right here. Psalms 91.2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my, fortress, my God, in him I will trust my refuge and my fortress means one thing, that there's a promise that God will protect you. That God will, will provide covering for you. That even though it might feel like the, the, the darts and the, and the arrows don't stop, that you can't miss the promise. God said, I'll be a refuge and a fortress for you. And so no matter what we're experiencing, we've got to trust in the promise, not in our circumstance. God's not letting you take more than he's ready for you to take. God's not going to abandon you. God's not going to uncover you. God's not going to stop protecting you. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. God's promise for you is to cleanse you of your sin. Sometimes we get in, you know, far into our Christian walk and we start to, you know, we've, we've been with Jesus, we know Jesus, we love Jesus, we tell other people about Jesus, but sometimes we need to be reminded that my sins are forgiven. And no matter where I stumble and where I fall, that God is not going to go, that's it. That's too far. You messed up too bad. But, but sins are forgiven. That's a promise. And so when we start to, to, to doubt, when we start to fear, when the enemy of your soul starts to say, you're not good enough, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you can say, I am, but it's forgiven. And so the truth is, is, is that should drive us toward him. Number nine. 
Romans 8, 38 and 39, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principality, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. There's a promise that nothing can separate you from him. And as you start to to, to walk that out, there's going to be days where you feel far away and yet nothing that comes against you can prosper. When, When everything feels like it's pulling you and God away, God says, nothing can take you away from me. Back off. And so you've got to, y'all, this is like, the time is going to come when situations are going to completely contradict the promise. And you've got to believe it anyways. Where everything about your current environment, everything about that which is around you, everything about that which is surrounding your life is saying, Fold up shop and run the other way. God is not with you. And yet, what does this say? He is. So I'm not going anywhere. And we have got to let that get real, not just on a Sunday, but what about Saturday night? What about right before the moment that God has called you to. Nothing can separate you. Number 10. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has promised us that what you see and what you feel, this is not all that's real. That there is an eternity, that there is heaven that there is a place that we are from where we are here as ambassadors, we're here as sojourners, we're here as foreigners representing a foreign kingdom to a world that needs desperately to meet the king. But our home, our eternity, our forever, that's there. And the promise is is that we have been given everlasting life, that those who who know Jesus shall never die. That should give you a great confidence to stand on your convictions and stand on your beliefs and be everything God made you to be here. That we don't have to fear or worry about what the world's going to say about us or do to us or be uh, uh, how they're going to resist us. We can stand tall and go, hey, if you don't love me, I'm not from here. And I'm going home someday. But until that day, while he tarries, I have work to do. And it's got to get on you. Beloved, we have got to recognize that the promises of God 
are the very anchor in which we hold fast to in the midst of pain, in the midst of crisis, in the midst of the unknown. I I beseech you to not miss these promises. And yet these are a small sample of so many more. That like Joseph, we need to be prepared to with a sound mind, stop, step back, ponder these things, and prepare to hear the promise. That we need to look into the word of God and let it speak to the promises that God has given to us. And as we do, it will prepare us for the guaranteed life to come. That until the day that we go home, People will resist you. Situations are going to turn around and and smother you. And and everything about the world around you might be calling you to, 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 to button up shop and run away. But you've got to know the promise. Because when we choose the promise, when we we take the promise and we put it over the situation, over the science, over the data, and we choose that anyways, then like Joseph, we get to behold the king. We get to experience life with King Jesus. We get to hold him, touch him, feel him, see him. We get to experience the abundant life that he promised. Amen, somebody? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you and we honor you. We welcome you to come and and do something in us today. God, I, I pray that we wouldn't just walk out of here and say, man, did you see that dude crying? But God, we would walk out of here and start to rehearse the promise that you're with us you won't forsake us, that you've made us for eternal life, that you're our, our covering, that you, that you love us, that you'll listen to us. God, that, that, that we would get into your word, that we would mine out more promises, that we would be people that are so entrenched in your word that we would make a difference in the world. So God, as we celebrate the coming king. Give us a heart like Joseph to look circumstances in the eyes and say, I trust him anyways. We honor you. We welcome you. We invite you to have your way in us and through us this week until we gather again. In Jesus' name, amen, somebody. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.